Trisha, honey, can you please bring some juice for Mr. Lane? Miss Nicoline's eyes twinkled as she smiled at me. Mr. Lane, a short, balding, middle-aged man in a worn-out three-piece suit, was sent by the adoption agency and worked on behalf of social services. Sure, Miss Nicoline. I exited the living room and returned shortly with a glass of juice, which I handed to Mr. Lane. Thank you, dear. In one gulp, Mr. Lane finished the juice and placed it on the center table in front of him. So, Mrs. Fraser, as you were telling me, about the home improvement project? Miss Nicoline told Mr. Lane she received the check and she'll be heading to the bank the next day to get the process started. Miss Nicoline wasn't all she was cracked up to be, nor was her husband, Mr. Jack. Don't believe me? Keep watching and you'll see how they made my life a living hell. When Mr. and Mrs. Frazier signed up to be foster parents, one stipulation was made very clear by the agency. They must renovate their home. With leaking occurring throughout the house and floorboards groaning when you walked on them, was deemed hazardous by the agency. However, with the system crammed to capacity, they had no choice but to hand me over to the Frasers. After 30 minutes, Mr. Lane rose from the sofa and shook Miss Nicoline's hand. I watched as the usual sleight of hand between Mr. Lane and Miss Nicoline happened. Yes, Miss Nicoline paid Mr. Lane every visit to buy her more time. His visit was just a protocol of social services. As soon as Mr. Lane drove off, the real Miss Lane emerged. I didn't know if my mind was playing tricks on me, but I swore I saw her eyes turn black and two horns grow from the top of her head before it vanished just as quickly as it emerged. Clean this house from top to bottom. It's filthy, she yelled at me in a calmer tone. She continued, Mel, darling, let's go before the mall closes. Mel, who was two years younger than I was, skipped into the room with a bag of chips in her hand. She stopped in front of me and emptied the remaining potato chips and the wrapper onto my shoes and snickered before she stepped in front of her mother. I glared at her, although I held my tongue as Mel and Miss Nicoline left. If the opportunity arose, I'd be out of there in a heartbeat. At least the universe smiled on me and I had my own room. The window opened one inch and the floorboards on the side were sunken. The only other place I was able to retreat to when I needed peace was school. At least people at school liked me. And you want to know what the best part was? Mel wasn't there. So at school, I was able to be myself and get a break from all the Frasers. So bestie, Christine said as she fell into step beside me on the way to class. Are you excited about your 16th birthday this Saturday? No, I shrugged. Why not? Your 16th birthday should be a big deal. None of my birthdays were special. We entered class and Christine sat next to me. Mom and I plan on changing that. She booked us a full spa day, a massage, manis and petties, the works. I don't want to get too excited about this, even though it does sound like fun. Just ask Mrs. Frazier to go. If she says no, we'll find a way around it. Like sneak out of the house to go to a midnight movie? Christine <laughs> laughed. Nothing that drastic. Although... Just then, the teacher walked into the class and Christine and I ended our conversation. That night during dinner, I asked Miss Nicoline and Mr. Jack if I could go with Christine and her mother. Well, every girl should do something special for her sweet 16. But you must make sure that the kitchen is cleaned from top to bottom before Christine's mom picks you up. The next day, I gave Christine the good news and she handed me a bag. Saturday, we'll all be wearing matching outfits. I couldn't wait for Saturday. I couldn't believe that I'd finally have a birthday worth remembering. And boy, was it a birthday to remember. Saturday, I woke up at the crack of dawn and got to work. I cleaned the cupboards, the fridge, the stove, and the oven, inside out and top to bottom. Around 12 o'clock, I completed my tasks. The kitchen was spotless. 
Christine and her mother were to arrive in 30 minutes. I dashed to my bedroom and laid out my clothes before I showered quickly, excited about the afternoon ahead. After showering, I entered my bedroom. My outfit was gone. I looked everywhere. Then it dawned on me. Mel probably took it. I inhaled deeply. I wasn't about to let Mel ruin my perfect day. I quickly found something else and got dressed. I entered the living room where Miss Nicoline sat. Did you clean the kitchen? Yes, Miss Nicoline. Okay, let's have a look then. Miss Nicoline followed me to the kitchen. I pushed open the door and my heart dropped. The kitchen looked like a food bomb exploded. Chocolate syrup was squirted all over the kitchen cupboards. Ketchup and mustard decorated the walls. Honey was smeared over the appliances. There was even ice cream dripping from the ceiling. What in the world? Miss Nicoline whispered. I cleaned the kitchen just as you asked. I don't understand how this happened. This kitchen is a disaster. You can't go anywhere until this is cleaned up. Just then, Mel walked into the kitchen. Hi, Mom. I glared at her. She wore the outfit that Christine's mom bought for me. It was you! My blood boiled. I was sick and tired of Mel and her parents. I felt the steam coming from my ears as I charged at her. Get off her, you animal! Miss Nicoline dragged me off Mel. My breath was rugged and my fists were still clenched. With tears in my eyes, I ran to my room, slammed the door shut, locked it, and fell onto my bed. When the doorbell rang, I peeked out my window and saw Christine's mother's car. After a few minutes, I saw Christine and her mom jump into the car and they drove away. Something needed to be done. I refused to live like a caged rat. It was time I stood up for myself. I marched downstairs to demand better treatment when midway, I heard the doorbell ring and a male voice asked for Miss Trisha Alawo. I'm sorry, but no one lives here by that name. Miss Nicoline responded. As I was about to take another step, Mr. Jack appeared at the staircase. Where do you think you're going? Before I knew what was happening, Mr. Jack covered my mouth with his hand and he dragged me back to my room. He pushed me into my room. I heard it lock from the other side. I looked outside where six older men stood, all of whom wore the same type of hat. Why would Miss Nicoline say they didn't know who I was? Did they know the men? How did the men know me? I slammed my hands against the window to get their attention, but I was too high for them to see. If these people knew who I was, does it mean they knew who my parents were? Did they know my family? This was the opportunity I needed to leave this house once and for all, and I wasn't going to let it go to waste. I took the chair from my desk and smashed it against the window repeatedly until the window hung from the frame. I yanked it out and threw it on one side of the room. Mr. Jack appeared in the doorway. What are you doing, you little brat? I scrambled out of the window before Mr. Jack could grab hold of my leg and pull me back into the room. Fire! Fire! Someone please help me! I screamed as I gingerly crossed the roof. If I could get to the tree on the other end, I'd be able to climb down to safety. My screams alerted only the men, but a few neighbors came out of their homes to see what was going on. I was almost to the tree when I heard a sickening creak beneath me. I fell through the roof and hit the floor with a thud. My body flinched with pain. I struggled to keep my eyes open. Everything went black. I opened my eyes groggily. The beeping of the machines in the room made my head throb. As my eyes adjusted to the bright lights, it roamed the room. Two of the gentlemen were seated in the room. Both men stood up and bowed. Your Majesty. One stepped forward. We are happy that you are finally awake. What do you mean, finally awake? I asked weakly. You have been asleep for three days, Your Majesty. Three days? Who are you? We are the kinsmen of your parents' village. 
I am Charles and his name is Augustus. We have come to take you home. Sadly, our last king died and we need someone of royal blood to be crowned. I laughed even though it hurt. This has to be a dream. I closed my eyes and opened them. I can assure you, your majesty, you are very much awake, Charles said. The door opened and Mr. Lane and a doctor walked into the room. Hi, Trisha. How are you feeling? Mr. Lane asked in a concerned voice. Well, I'm alive. Everything hurts. Hi, Trisha. I'm Dr. McLean. You'll have to stay in hospital for a few days under observation. Luckily, you didn't get broken bones. However, your muscles do have some scarring. A nurse will come in shortly to give you something for the pain. Dr. McLean walked out of the room. Mr. Lane continued. Are you and your uncles getting along okay? Uncles? Yes, uncles. We took DNA samples, and these two men are your family. We have already checked out their story, but it's up to you if you want to go with them or go to another family. I'll take my chance with my family since me being here is a consequence of the family you put me with, I said dryly. Mr. Lane's face turned red. I'll just leave it to you then. Mr. Lane walked out of the room. While at the hospital, I learned that my parents ran away from home and moved to another country because they wanted to live life on their own terms. By the time they were found, my parents had already died in a car accident and I was lost within the system. Later, I was introduced to David, Edmund, Alfonso, and Frederick. A week later, I was discharged from the hospital. I visited Christine and her mom and told them what happened. I'm so happy for you. We had no idea what happened to you. I hope mom and I can come visit. You'll make an amazing queen. Shortly after I visited Christine's, I was on a flight to my ancestral home. Upon arrival, I was shown the sights of the city. I was excited to start a new life. As we made our way back to the palace along the lonely road, a black panel van ran us off the road. Two masked people jumped out of the van and yanked the car door open. They dragged us out of the car. Lay on the ground and do as we say and no one has to get hurt. The elders obeyed and I was tossed into the van before it sped off. In the van, I was gagged, a black sack was placed over my head, and my hands and legs were bound. After driving around for a while, the van stopped. I heard the door open, and I was thrown over someone's shoulders like a sack of flour. When I was finally untied and ungagged, I was thrown into a small room with a bed. Why am I here? What do you want? I yelled. Don't worry, this will be over soon. If you're not crowned in one week, the crown goes to another royal family. As soon as the other family is crowned, you'll be released. The man slammed the door and left me alone in the room. Over the next few days, I stayed close to the door and heard tidbits of information. Who is she to be queen? Her parents abandoned their people. It's time for another family to rule the kingdom. I knew that voice. It was Edmund. Late one night, I was shaken awake. Augustus whispered, Your Majesty, we need to leave this place now. He grabbed my hand as we snuck out of the building. As we exited the building, we ran a few meters where a car waited for us. We hopped in and the car drove off. I squeezed Augustus's hand and whispered, Thank you. No problem, Your Majesty. You are safe now. Once at the palace, I was heavily guarded. There were 50 hours till my coronation. The next day, I called Charles and Augustus to my room for a private meeting. I told them what I overheard while I was held captive. Both men assured me that they will get to the bottom of it. About five hours before my coronation, the six elders appeared before me with Mel. I looked at the men. Why is she here? This is Edmund's niece, your majesty. Charles pushed Edmund towards me and he fell to the floor in front of me. After his sister died in childbirth, he sent his niece away. He has been paying the phrases to take care of her. Did you also pay them to ill-treat me? I asked Edmund. No, your majesty. 
The Frasers told me they had another girl with them, but I didn't know it was you. Edmund said nervously, his eyes fixed on the floor. I looked at Charles and Augustus. Is he the only traitor? Charles pushed Alfonso and Frederick before me. These two men also worked with Edmund to bring about your demise. Thank you, Charles and Augustus, for your loyalty. You and your family will be well rewarded. Get them out of here. If they ever set foot in this country again, the penalty is death. The day of my coronation passed and everything went well. I didn't add any more elders to guide me on my journey as queen. I trusted David, Charles, and Augustus with everything I had. I also opened up three orphanages within the country and helped to refurbish and renovate the four that were already established to give other children a chance at a better future. If you became a queen or a king, what would your first order of business be?